Good day, everybody. I welcome you to our online church platform. I encourage you today just to quiet down your spaces, your surroundings, in preparation of receiving the Word of God today. We find ourselves in the month of May, and I don't think any of us, if we had thought of what this year would have been like, thinking in May that it would be like this. But yet we find ourselves in this particular predicament. But this morning I want to speak about God's favor. God's favor. It's something that we take so for granted that to an extent that we often miss God's favor in our lives. I want you to consider the following. Imagine paying for a meal, be it at spa, be it at your, your favorite restaurant. You pay for the meal. But as soon as the meal comes, you smell it and you get up and you go. But you pay. And you are just content with the smell of the meal, but not the taste. Imagine paying for a movie at your favorite movie cinema. Be it a 3D or a IMAX movie. But you only watch the trailers and the opening scene and then you get up and you go. Not enjoying what you paid for. Imagine buying an expensive sports car, but as soon as you've transferred the money, that vast amount of money for that sports car, you just leave it parked at the dealership and you walk away. It doesn't make sense, does it? Psalms 5 verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Hmm. Favor. What is favor? The definition of favor is an act of kindness beyond what is due or beyond what is usual. That is the favor. That is what favor is. But when you speak about the favor of God, and the reason why I ask you to consider those things of buying a meal, paying for a movie, buying an expensive car, but only going halfway, not enjoying the thing you paid for, remember that your life was bought at a price. To many of us, this life that was purchased with the blood of Jesus, most of us are not encountering and embracing the abundant life as he so said he says he said that i've come to give you life and life in abundance but how many of us are embracing that abundance or are we like those analogies that i've given we pay the price but we only sample a portion we walk away from what is rightfully ours satisfied just with a little as much as God has paid a price that nobody can compete with being a Christian costs you the Bible refers to this as picking up your cross that who goes into war without counting the cost and seeing that we will be able to win it who starts to build a house and doesn't first Consider how much it will cost him. Have you considered the cost of your Christian faith? Many of us haven't. And because of that, 
we have no idea that the cost that we're paying, we're paying a certain certain thing. We are, we are, our, our faith is costing us. It has cost some of you friendships. Some of you let go of things that you realize it's not really beneficial. It's a cost. But yet, we are not embracing and we have not taken hold of the abundant life. We have paid, but we are not taking purchase. So today, I realize that the reason why we do that is because we have no idea of what the favor of God is. To many of us, we think God's favor is just, oh, when God thinks fondly of me. That's not what His favor is. And when you go to, when you get to, 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 to topics such as grace, which is God's unmerited favor, which means there's nothing, absolutely nothing you can do to deserve it. That's another story. But I want to hone in on favor within your circumstance. Do you know that you can have favor in your circumstances? I'm going to speak on three stories. Three stories. The first one is Daniel. If you have your Bibles, please uh, go with me to Daniel chapter 6 from verse 6. I'll give you a moment to page through your Bibles. This is online church. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 6 to 23. And it reads as follows. It says, So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, Making Darius live forever. Verse 7. The royal administrators... Prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 8. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window was open towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. These men went as a group and they went afterwards. Let me just paraphrase for the sake of time. And he went, they went to sort of tell the king that, look, didn't you say and give this decree? Is it, is it, is it not valid? To which the king responded, yes, of course. And then they went to the king and says, but in verse 15, remember your majesty that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, the king was very fond of Daniel when he heard of this. He tried to sort of figure a way to get Daniel out of it, but he couldn't. 
he was in a corner locked into a corner because of the edict that he signed and he put in place but listen to the words of the king the king said to Daniel in verse 16 may your God whom you serve continually rescue you so in other words even though this king at this point in time did not know Daniel's God or want to get to know him the ways of Daniel when, when, when the king saw and observed Daniel's ways he knew that this God that Daniel serves has to be some substantial God because of the way Daniel carries himself his wisdom the way he set apart so maybe maybe he can rescue you Daniel so Daniel's lifestyle without him knowing at this point planted a seed of faith and hope within the king that hopefully his God can come through for him verse 17 reads a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep he was he was worried about Daniel verse 19 at the first light of dawn the king got up and hurried to the lion's den excited hurried he wanted to see hoping I, 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 I hope he's okay verse 20 when he came near the den he called to Daniel in an anguished voice not knowing what the response would be if there would be a response Daniel servant of the loving God as your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions what a statement from someone that is not even a believer the servant of the living God what do people what opinion do people have of your God when they look upon you is it the same of this king that even though I don't serve the God that you serve but I can see this God is real I'm not willing to let go of my beliefs but I, 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 I take my hat off to your belief because of the way you are and how you conduct yourself verse 21 Daniel answered may the king live forever verse 22 my God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight nor have I ever done any wrong before you your majesty the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den and when Daniel was lifted from the den no wound was found on him hallelujah because he had trusted in his God Beloved, when you have favor or find favor in the eyes of the Lord, it's not just the thing where God thinks fondly of you. It's something where God comes through for you, where the norms of your circumstance don't touch you. That is what favor does. It puts you into an, 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 an area where the norms of what you're currently facing cannot reach you. What are you facing today? I want to encourage you and whet your appetite but don't accept that as your norm but it's happening all around me it might be happening all around you but because you are a child of the most high God 
you walk in the favor of the Almighty. My next story is also well known. Is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. That's found in Daniel 3 from verse 15 to 18. Very well known story. Regardless of your walk with the Lord, you must have heard about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Let's read. Let's see what happened with them. How God found, how, how, how God favored them. Verse 15 reads as, as follows in Daniel 3. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the harp, the pipe and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown down immediately into the blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? But look at Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's reply to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 16, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They almost sound as if they're arrogant, but they're not. It's confidence in knowing who their God is. That regardless of what arrow is pointed, arrows of affliction is pointed towards you, you do not flinch because you know the God you serve. How are you responding towards your Nebuchadnezzar of today? Whatever circumstance it might be, how are you responding? Are you, are you, do you have the fight and flight mode where you're fleeing already? Are you as confident as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? We do not even need to defend ourselves before you. But look at how the story un unravels. Verse 17 it says, If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But look at verse 18 which blows me away every time I read this portion. But even if he does not, I know he can, but even if he does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. How often do we find ourselves when we in a predicament, we pray to God, but our prayers are like nagging children. Our prayers are like spoiled little brats. That Lord, if you don't come through for me, we might not utter this in our prayer, but we're thinking if you don't come through for me, then I'm going to make some changes in my life because this God thing is not working. But look at them, even if you don't come through, what they are saying that God's ability to come through for us, even if it doesn't, is not a reflection of Him not being God at all. So if God does not come through, you need to know, King, He is still God. How many of us can approach our God like that, our Father like that? That even I'm praying, Lord, that you, you, you lift this thing from me. But even if you don't come through, that's not a reflection of, 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 of your majesty. That's, that, that's not a reflection of your sovereignty, of your power. You are still God. I'm just asking. You see, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew their place with the Lord. 
Many of us don't know our place when we come into the throne room of God in terms of prayer, asking Him. We come arrogantly demanding. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew who they were seeking help from. That Lord, it's up to you. Ultimately, you are God. But verse 19 is like a series that we are getting into. It's just getting more interesting and interesting. And verse 19, 19 continues, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego because they, they, they outrightly defied him. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed. Listen here. It killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. It killed them. That was so hot. That is confirmation that this fire wasn't any other fire. It was very hot. And, the, and these three men were firmly tied and they fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Wait, 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 weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, Certainly, your majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the Son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. Oh, I love that. <laughs> come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego came out of the fires. And the satraps, prefects and governors and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their hen heads singed their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them then nebuchadnezzar said praise be to the god of shadrach meshach and abednego who has sent his angels and rescued his servants beloved what is the norm of a fire we live in south africa we love brine what is the norm of a fire is that it's hot it burns it consumes, it destroys whatever is placed in its path. But again, just because that's the norm of a fire, the norms of today of what you are facing, God's favor supersedes those norms. What are the norms of lockdown? I don't care. I honestly don't care. But as a child of the Most High God, I have access to God's favor and because of that I don't I need to adhere to the norms what's happening to my neighbor next door to me is not necessarily what I need to accept within my household or in within my house what's happening to my friend's company is does not necessarily have to happen to my company even if financially there's no other way it, it's supposed to be like that I don't care. God's favor does not ask to come in. God's favor does not apologize for being different. God's favor 
is God's favor. The last story is Joseph. And I'll paraphrase the story once again for the sake of time. But we know the story of Joseph that was, he went from pit to prison to the palace. But look at the famine. They had a severe famine. What is the norms of a famine? If you don't have food, you die. But because of God's favor on one man, it spread to everybody that was under his leadership. Why did I add in that story? You see, there's more at stake than just your things. Do you realize that the area that you live in can walk under the favor and live under the favor of God just because you are a Joseph in your area? But if you do not embrace and understand the concept of God's unmerited favor and you, you live in a way that, that almost communicates to God that there is no favor, that I'm saved, yes, I understand, I, I, I love you, Lord, but this is normal, so as to just come on me. You see, when you love like that, you prevent others around you from encountering your God and your God's favor. In closing today, some 5 verse 12 reads as follows. It says, Surely, Lord, as we read in the beginning, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous, you surround them with your favor. You surround who? Them. God's favor is God's favor. And there's a standard that is linked to His favor. It's not a free for all. It's a standard. He's paid the price. He's bought us. It's His favor to give or to deny. And this psalm that we opened and now closing with gives us insight into how do we attain this favor. Lord, how do I attain it? You surround them with your favor who are righteous. Beloved, what does it mean to be righteous? To be righteous means it, it, it includes all of those who are in right standing with God and His will for their life. In other words, me and the Lord, we, we are in good standing. I know what He wants from me and I do what He wants from me. I'm in line with what God expects of me to do. Most of us work and we receive a salary do you expect that your boss must pay you when you've not done the work that is requested of you to do you cannot do that after three warnings because of CCMA after the three warnings unfortunately you'll be, you'll be let go so let's take the finance as favor and your role at your work as you stay in right standing with God. Comparing it to that everyday example. How are you doing with the Lord? Are you expecting things from God? And now you're wondering. You've been wondering. Why why is it not happening Lord? No, no. It's because you cannot expect to get from God. When you do not do what he has required of you to do. 
I understand that the, the biggest hurdle that most of us have when it comes to God because of the Western world that we live in or the Western type of, of, of doctrines that we adopt and things, the ways of thinking that we adopt is that if I can't see it, smell it, taste it, it's not real. Feel it, it's not real. And that problem we sort of subtly bring into our relationship with the Lord. Many of you might have even left the Lord because of that very argument that people made with you. God is not real. Give me evidence. And for years you kept them at bay up until one moment in your life where you, you started to doubt and question, is, is it really real? Is God really real? Am I really giving up so much for something that is not even real? Beloved, faith is something you cannot separate from your walk with God. Faith put in plain language or in the Bible language versus faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Putting it into everyday language is it. Faith is Lord, I cannot see you. I cannot touch you. At times I cannot even feel you. But God, I am fully convinced that you are alive. That you are real. That you are Lord over my life. That you hold me in the palm of your hand. That everything I see is because of you. Everything I do, I cannot do it without you Lord that you protect me God Lord to such an extent uh, faith says that God I don't need evidence keep it I, I don't need evidence I just believe that's what faith is Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 this is my wife's favorite verse and it says that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding what is your own understanding? It's your way of thinking. It's your way of reasoning. So in other words, when it comes times where difficult times where you're dialoguing with the Lord in prayer or in your quiet time and it comes to a moment in, in that particular discussion where you don't understand, where your heart contradicts what God is telling you, so Proverbs 3 verse 5 to 6 says, let go of what you know. Don't lean on that. Leaning speaks of finding support in. When you lean against something, you're looking for support in that particular thing. So don't look for support in your way of thinking. I challenge you again with this. God's thoughts is not your thoughts. God's ways are not your ways. We understand, the, we, we read the verse, but we don't understand what it means, the context of it. That means that there's going to come times in your life where your questions that you ask God, number one, sometimes He won't give you the answer because He knows you're not ready to receive it. And other times He gives you the answer, but you don't understand. But that does not give you the right to do your own thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him. Submit means 
in the words of Christ, that thy will be done. Nevertheless, let thy will be done. So submit to him in all your ways. And then the crowning of that verse, and he will make your path straight. Many of us, we read that verse the wrong way around. We focus just on it. Oh, and he will make my path straight. But we don't submit. We lean on our own understanding and we don't trust in the Lord. But yet, some of us have this verse even printed on our walls and all of this. But our focal point is, I just want him to make my path straight. I don't want to comply with the rest of the requirements of that particular verse. It doesn't work that way. Just allow God to be God. Isn't it strange how we address God as God when we pray to Him? God, I need your help with this. God, how do I overcome? We address Him as God, but we don't grant Him the expected influence over our lives. What's the use of calling Him God or calling Him Lord when He does not have the influence that the title we give Him dictates? Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Then, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Don't miss out. My departing words are to don't miss out. Don't miss out. Miss out on what? The abundant life. Miss out on what? On God's unmerited favor. Miss out on what? That the norms that I'm, that I'm facing outside does not have to be my norms. I don't have to accept it as a norm. I don't have to stand in the line that the world is standing in and, and waiting to receive the norms of what's happening in terms of the lockdown, in terms of finances, in terms of diseases. I don't have to stand in that line. Ha! <laughs> I can be exempted from it. I want to encourage you this morning to approach God's throne of grace and mercy. Today, I hope that you will find it in your heart to lay aside every doubt that you have in your Creator, that you have in God. Lay aside every doubt that you have in His Son and come to Him come and experience the abundant life that His Son, Jesus Christ is willing to give you. Don't miss out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Lord, I pray for the person listening to this message. Father God, I ask that you meet them at the point of their need. Lord, I ask that you remove every blockage, Lord, that is standing, that is in the way of, of, of the communication with you, Father God, that is preventing them, Lord, from encountering you, Lord. Father God, I ask that you help them, Lord, to reconcile with you. Help them to come back to you, Lord. Help them to be like a David running after your heart, Lord. Lord, I ask that they will let go of every doubt, every worldly thought 
that has challenged who you are, Father God. And because of that, have kept them on the outside, looking in, Lord, never encountering anything, Father God. Lord, I pray that as they draw closer and closer to you, Father God, that they will begin to encounter and they will begin to uh, relate to you, Father God, in the way that they have always been meant to relate to you, Father God. May they walk with you, become alive, oh Father God. May they experience you, Father God, beyond the reading of the Bible, Father God. But may your word become alive to them, Lord. May people encounter them as they encountered Daniel, as they encountered Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, as they encountered Joseph, Father God. May the person that is listening to this message, Lord, may you transform their lives around, Lord, where people looking at them, Father God, will see your tangible hand of favor upon them, Lord. I declare this over their life, Father God. I come up against curses, Father God. I come up against every form of uh, of plan that the enemy has made against him, Father God. It shall not prosper father God I declare right now and I speak life over them Lord the abundant life father God that you have for them Lord and Lord I pray Lord that they will love you Lord that they will love you and they will run after you father God they will thirst after you father God in Jesus name Amen may the Lord bless you and keep you May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may he lift up his countenance towards you and give you his everlasting peace. Amen.